Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot of girls are prettier than me or can act better than I can, but I knew that my special, like, God-given talent was comedy. Welcome to Varvet International. This is your host, Christopher Triumph. And if you are a long-time listener, you might have noticed that the podcast has been on hiatus for some time. This is due to personal issues of mine. I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. Now, however, I'm releasing all four of the interviews I had canned. So here goes one of them. In this episode, I'm talking to Heather MacDonald, who's probably best known for her appearances in Chelsea lately, where she was acting as well as writing some of the material. Heather has been working in the comedy business since the 90s and gained popularity in the early 2000s through her stand-up shows in L.A. And in 2010, her debut book made her a New York Times bestseller and... In 2015, her stand-up special was released on Netflix. When I met Heather, she had just been in Naples, Florida for some stand-up, and uh, this interview was recorded in West Hollywood, half an hour from San Fernando Valley, where she grew up and still lives today. It uh, was recorded almost a year ago, and, uh, well, now it's just time to dig into the interview. So, roll the tape, please. How are you today? I'm good. I'm great. Yeah. I'm glad to hear. Good. <laughs> what have you been doing so far? Well, I just got back from Naples, Florida, and I did six shows there at this comedy club. And it was very nice. They put me up at the Ritz-Carlton, which comedy clubs never put you at nice places like that. And Naples is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And um, the water there, the beaches, the water's like 90 degrees. So unlike L.A., you know, the water's cooler. So it's beautiful. I hung out at the beach every day and did the shows at night. It was really fun. Have you sort of moved up the ladder? Of comedy? Of comedy since doing a special. Or Oh, yeah. I definitely, more and more people know about me now. And um, there's better offers coming in. And, you know, so sometimes they're one-offs. And sometimes they're like you do several nights at a club. And they pay you really well. and you Or you get part of the door or whatever. So every deal is different and every deal I kind of evaluate. Like if I'm going to a beautiful place and they're putting me up in a nice place, you know, then other things don't matter. If I have to take like two planes there and it's a really boring town and there's nothing to do in the day and it's depressing, then it either has to be more money or has to be a shorter period of time. But this one... This one was good. This was great. Yeah, it was nice. How is your relationship to this neighborhood? 
Oh, West Hollywood? I like it. I live in Woodland Hills, which there's no quick way to get here. There's like eight different routes, but all of them suck. So, you know, coming here, I had to leave definitely literally even like more than an hour before just to make sure I can get here. But um, no, it's great. Do you like it? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been to Woodland Hills, though. Yes. Woodland Hills. People will be are probably more familiar with Calabasas, which is where Justin Bieber and all the Kardashians live. And that's just like the town like next to us. And it's the newer, fancier homes. Okay. But we're very close. It's like within five minutes of each other. So that's where I live in the valley. All and right. It's hotter. It's a little hotter in the summer. I read that you once had 119 degrees. <laughs> I did. I think maybe we might have in like oh, the record. 2007. Okay. I might do remember been. that being the hottest. I do, I never saw 119. I did see 118 on my car once. I remember that day. And it's it hasn't been that bad since then. But is it the, the desert? It's not the desert. It's that it's a valley. Okay. So the the heat gets trapped in this valley. Like when you're driving on the 405 going towards it, you'll see, we call it coming over the hill. So you're going, you know, down the hill into the valley. And that's what makes it a little bit hotter. But sometimes it's really nice because it's like sunny and warmer there. Sometimes the whole summer can be overcast in Santa Monica or Malibu. And everybody, you know, if not everybody, but many houses have pools and so the nights are really nice. I have a pool. I love my pool. And uh, But yes, it does get hot and people advertise how hot it is. Mm. <laughs> but you also come from the valley, right? Yes, I grew up. I actually bought the house next door to my parents. So I'm mm-hmm. on the exact same street, which is like very, sounds very small towny. But uh, I just, we were happy to be living in the area anyway. And then the house was a, was available and it needed a lot of work. And so it was like a, a good deal to like buy the the crappiest, littlest house in the nicest area, which is always what you want to do. So then we redid it and added on and then built our pool from scratch, which I love. So it's really nice. I'm so ashamed. Um, You're sweating. uh, But it's not hot in here, but you came for a walk, and that's okay. Well, but still, it feels a little unprofessional in a way. It's okay. We're very casual here in L.A. No one dresses up. But what was growing up in the Valley like then? You know, for me... I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I thought when I went to a very expensive school, I went to USC for my college and there was a, and it was back then they called it the university of spoiled children. And it's not so much like that anymore. It's still very expensive, but it used to be like just every, all the kids from Newport and, you know, Pasadena, all the rich kids would go there. So when I got there, I, I felt rich too until I got there and people talked about how hot the Valley is and how could I survive there. And how? what other homes do we own? And I said, just the one, you know. But we were paying full tuition. We weren't getting financial aid. We had air conditioning and a pool and a car. So I thought, you know, I thought we were living the life. So I'm, you know, I'm a pretty middle class person and still live a pretty middle class life. But sort of among the rich and famous, really. Yes, probably. You are sort we're, of rich, I mean, I have friends. rich, I have a, a lot of very wealthier friends than myself. Mm. That's for sure. Which is nice. I love rich people. You do? I do. I love it. I think it's great. I love to be invited. If someone listening to this would like to like fly <laughs> me out so that I could visit your country and hang out with you and have dinner, it's fine. Like I put out there when I was in Naples, I'd like to go on a yacht while I'm here. Could someone please invite me on a yacht? My husband's like, well, 
can you make sure you just leave the name that you're with so that when you're murdered, I'm not accused? And then I sure enough, I got an invite to a yacht. You know, it's like, it's great. I don't have a yacht, but I like them a lot. Yeah. I like nice things. I just listened to your podcast. Oh, you did? Thank you. Well, Juicy scoop, everybody. Listen to it. I love doing it. Yeah. I didn't know how much I would love doing it. I was a little bit nervous, and I thought, how am I going to, like, fill up the time? And and I really like doing it a lot. But you seem sort of obsessed with the Us Weekly people, sort of. Yes. I like to read those magazines, and I'm not ashamed of it. And I like to try to figure out what's going on in the stories. Like, what's happening? What's the true story behind Jen and Ben Affleck breaking up and the nanny and all of that? And I read all of them, and they all have a story on it. And then I like to come up with my own theory of what really happened. So it's like almost like I do all the research (laughs) for the people at home, and then I like to figure it out. That's a great idea for a show. Thank you. Well, yeah. And I had an idea a few years back that... Two of my comedian friends would just meet up in the morning and read the paper and sort of make a podcast out of it. Yeah. It's sort of the same thing. Right, yeah. Well, you know, that's what I loved about doing Chelsea Lately is that we're a bunch of comedians that met in the morning and we got all all the news, all the topics, whether it's entertainment, political, or strange news or some strange story that happened. And then we would pick the best topics that we think would make the funniest conversation on the roundtable. And so when the show ended, it'll almost be a year at the end of the month. For a while, I I was busy, but then I was like, oh, I really kind of miss this. Like when the things were happening with Caitlyn Jenner and the Duggards and things like that, I was like, oh, I would love to give my opinion. I would love to write a bit about this or talk about it or write jokes about it. And so so then I was like, maybe I should do a podcast. And I never thought I would like it so much. And I like having like that every week I have like a thing that I'm specifically doing because now everything's so different. I went to a job every day for seven years. It was all about the topic of the day. So I like to get back to doing that. I like it. How much do you prepare? Just probably like a couple hours. I kind of like read, I like I read up on stuff during the week. I'll be like, that'll be a good thing to discuss. And I just like put it on my phone under like podcast. And then a lot of times I don't get to everything. And then I just kind of go for it. And I have like the magazines out and I have a couple notes, but I don't like write out my jokes or what I'm going to say or anything. Mm. So that when I listened to it back later on, I was like, oh, that was pretty good. Like I wasn't even really, I'm like pleasantly surprised. I'm falling in love with myself again through the podcast because I wasn't that into myself prior to it. I was losing interest. (laughs) But that's, that sounds great in a way. I mean, and you sound really well prepared. Oh, good. That's yeah. really nice. I mean, I'm really, I'm so impressed that anyone's listening. I really, I'm, I'm so happy. Like that's the nicest thing. Well, I get, I get so happy when anybody tells me that they've read my books or watched my special or anything. I'm just like so grateful and blown away. So I did all of that. Well, thank you. Well, I did, might have not have read both your books from cover to cover, but that's okay. I know about them. Oh, good. I read about good. Them. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. You're most welcome. But I was also wondering about the valley because this is so exotic to me. I mm-hmm. mean, when you grow up in the valley, is it sort of, does it feel like everything is happening on the other side of it? No, hill? not anymore. It used to be, there was a book called Valley of the Dolls, and it was like in the 60s or 70s, and it was about, there was a much bigger difference between the valley and the other side. Valley Girl from 1984, it was like kind of like, oh, it's, Almost like less wealthy, really. And it's really not like that anymore. I mean, we have everything. It's even better. My mall has a Neiman Marcus and a Target in it 
together. And now they're combining the two malls and it's going to be like the Grove outside. I mean, it's going to be huge. So it's becoming more, it's not like a taboo thing to be living in the Valley. Yes, it's still more prestigious to live over here. Yes, you're going to get more for your money in the Valley, but it's not as big. There's lots of very nice places in the Valley to live. Hidden Hills is, you know, Kim and Kanye live there, Chris Jenner. I mean, like 13, $20 million homes are there. And that is just as hot as Woodland Hills. So besides the heat, it being a little hotter during a couple months a year where it might feel a little stifling, it's it's really not very bad. It's pretty great. Did you ever live somewhere else? No. I've never lived anywhere else. I grew up here. When I went to college, I lived at the school. And then I did live in Brentwood and Santa Monica area in my 20s. And then when I got married, then we moved back to the valley. I'm not sure I'm using the expression right, but you also seem to have sort of come a long way that you you got a proper education yes. sort of before getting into comedy. Yeah, I didn't actually even study drama or film at USC, though I could have. But growing up in LA, I was just very jaded and like very afraid that I knew I will, like my first choice was like to be a star. But I thought, well, everyone wants to be the star and, you know... What's the chances? And I was just like jaded about it. And even my parents were like, are you sure you don't want to do drama? You know, or, I'm like, no, I don't want to be a waitress at 27. And, you know, and not until like I got out of school and I got this first job out of school, which was like a good paying job. There was a recession and I was actually like had a job I could pay for my own apartment. I never wanted to live at home or anything post-college. I never asked my parents for a dime after college. And, um, and so I was happy to just like have this job, but it was so... I knew I wasn't good at it and I knew it wasn't where my talents were. And and I knew like the one thing I was special at, like a lot of girls are prettier than me or can act better than I can. But I knew that my special like God-given talent was comedy and that I was naturally funny and I could impersonate people. And I had like this thing where I, you know, I'm, I am Catholic and I have a relationship with God and I kind of felt like, you know, I'm not utilizing what was given to me. And so I kind of had that feeling of like, I'm kind of pissing in God's face if I don't pursue this. Have you always believed in, in God? Yes, yes. My parents were both Catholic, and and so they just taught me about it. And I just, you know, and I have a relationship with God. It's like Jesus is my best friend, and he thinks I'm fabulous. Like, I just, and it's interesting because there's this, that expression like cafeteria Catholics where you just kind of pick and choose, and we, I'm definitely that. But I'm grateful for the Catholic education and I'm grateful that I got that so that I have this other place to turn to because when you do have a relationship with God or whatever your source is or whoever you believe in, I feel like you're, then you're never alone. You're never on this earth alone, no matter the darkest days. It's like, so that's just kind of what, that's sort of my kids go to Catholic school now and my husband's not really religious at all. And I respect that. I didn't try to like change him or have him go to, you know, he goes to church with me like twice a year. But I just teach my kids that just so that, you know, and I don't know that they will be that religious when they're older. And I don't really push it. We don't go to church every Sunday because some Sundays I'm traveling. But we'll go like once or twice a month. And I just try to tell them like this is a, a time to just tell God what you're grateful for and pray for other people and, you know, take an hour. And so it's just kind of like that. Do you, you go know? to confession as well? No. I was raised... We never went as a family, so I don't really go now. Like, I went twice in school when the whole classroom went. I don't know. Like, I don't really think it's necessary. It like, sounds great, though. To get the—I guess. 
I don't think there's, I don't feel like I've sinned that bad. I mean, I guess if I like slept with someone or robbed someone, maybe I'd feel like I really needed the confession. But I feel like me just feeling bad about it or or saying in my head, oh, I regret doing that. I wish I hadn't said that. Sorry about that. I feel like that's enough because, you know, but what's funny is I love, my daughter goes to the same Catholic school that I go to, which is called Louisville and it's from the Sisters of St. Louis. And so I was going to do a night at the improv and my husband suggested, let's make it like a Louisville night for parents and we'll donate all the ticket sales to the school. And I rarely do shows in LA. So I was like, oh, this is great, you know? And then the person called my husband and said that they don't want to be associated with my brand of comedy. (laughs) So they rejected it. Okay. And it's the third time I've been rejected from a charity event. Oh, wow. Because I guess I am more edgy than I think. Like, for me, I'm just like, well, I don't expect the girls to go, and I'm not inviting the nuns. I'm talking about the alumni, who's like 40-year-old moms, and the parents, because I feel like I talk a lot about marriage and kids, and it's all funny, and it's more self-deprecating towards me to any, than anybody else. But then I, I got really upset about it, and then I was like, you know what? That's okay. Like, that's their school, and I still think it's a great place for my daughter. And my husband was mad. He was like, this is ridiculous. I've never met anyone who loves the school more than my wife, which is true. Like, even my friends who went there are like, God, enough with the Louisville. Like, I just think it's so great. And I think an all-girl education is, like, what made me who I am. I really feel like the high school years are the most important years, more than college, more than anything else. Like, when people say, oh, I found my – you go to college to find yourself. It's like, I already knew exactly who I was. Not what I was necessarily going to do with my life, but just, like, I knew who I was and my morals and everything – by being at the school and like not being afraid to raise my hand in front of guys or because there were no guys there. So once by the time I got to college, I just had like a really good confidence. So I think high school educations are really important. And that's kind of like what I want to advertise and tell people why I think it's important. And then, so my husband was like, I can't believe you don't want her. Like here she's succeeded in a, in a male dominated business. She's like the only married female comic who's who believes in marriage and, you know, is raising a family and being funny and you can't celebrate that. And I was like, oh, it's all right. Sometimes it's more complicated than that. And it's just not worth it. I'm like, it's all right. And you got a laugh out of it on in in your special. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I talk about it in my special. So it's like, yeah, I don't it's all good, you yeah. know. But yeah, I don't I don't feel like anyone's like scolding me or anything. I just go, okay, it's fine. I just won't push it. You said that you would give the proceeds to... The school. Yeah, okay. and We that... still did. We still had a few parents come and we did give it. Okay. But, you know, it would have been a lot more had they sent an email blast out to everyone, which is what I wanted. Because I was like, oh, anyone could, you know, maybe it'll result in like a grand or something. But they refused to do that. So it was like, okay. But, you know, my daughter, my stepdaughter, she does very well there. She really likes it. So I'm like, I'm not going to do a big stink. Who cares? <laughs> we don't have that culture at all with like, same sex schools or well no i don't think there is one single school like that in sweden oh i'm not sure that it's banned though i don't think so well you know the education in america is really fucked up and um so sometimes you can live in an area and the school is great and it's free of course public school is free and the community is all on the same page and it's great But LA Unified, where I live, is horrible. And it's like, if you had a, you can maneuver your way and get what you want, but it's like, you'd almost have to like take a class on how to deal with it. It's like working a system and 
your kid would have to have like blinders on because they're going to be surrounded by children and families that probably don't have the same values that you do. So it makes it hard. And that's why private schools, there's a lot of private schools in bigger cities like here in New York, because, and the the other problem is, is that in the public schools, you know, we have a, a lot of Latinos here, which is fine. I'm not Donald Trump, but they don't speak English. So if you're in a classroom of a 30 people and your child speaks English and uh, you know, 20 of the kids don't, your child is not going to get the same education as if you went to a class where everybody's pretty much at the same educational level. Okay, yeah. So the fact that no child's left behind, yeah, we they'll take every child, but then your child who, you know, might not get everything they need. So but that's I, why people like private school if they can afford it. But I thought that the funding for the school depended on where it is. So No, if- it's, it's, it's sometimes you get really screwed. Sometimes they put all the money into like the worst school. Okay. And it's very corrupt. And then other times, if it is in a nice area, then the parents, most parents will end up, if it's a good school and the community is going to it, people are spending thousands of dollars a year. They're buying their own computers. They're donating money. And then they still get a pretty good school for, like the elementary is okay. It's like once you get past elementary, then the junior high, and then that gets a little scary. It's also the elements of people. It's like, you know, you're, these kids are around kids that are not necessarily doing good things with their lives. So then you're like, do I really want my kid to be influenced? But you mm. don't know. There's drugs and bad people everywhere. But at least I know at my, certainly at my daughter's school, it's like pretty nerdy. And it's, you know, I pick her up, she, you know. I have access to everything. We can look at her text at any minute. I mean, there's some of this, which is like the of being a parent today, where it's like people are like, oh my God, it's so awful with the, the internet and their phones and everything. But in another way, you know everything that's going on because can- you have a tracker on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. So you know where she is whenever. If she turns it off, she's in trouble. She did that once. And she was in a lot of trouble for that because I thought she was kidnapped. Okay. And she was just being a little bitch. But so she's learned. And, um, then if you're paying for the bill, then you have access to seeing any of their texts or anything. Oh, wow. So Do you read them? We've checked them okay. before, and it was all about homework. So I was like, good. And then... Um, <laughs> Strange. She's, not, <laughs> she's 14. 15, but she goes okay. to this kind of, you know, geeky girl school. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's it's okay. But yeah, there's a lot to check on. You got to check their grades every day on the computer. And which sometimes I feel bad about that. Cause I'm like, God, when I was in high school, like I'd fail a quiz. My parents didn't have to know about it. I knew that I just had to do really well on the next test, you know? So it's, it's good and it's bad. It's exhausting. I was watching your special and I'm sitting next to you now or opposed to you. And I'm thinking that you are very, very LA. Yes. Yes. Good. I love LA. I love California, and I love America. I really do. Are you a Democrat? (laughs) Not really. I'm kind of nothing. I'm kind of, I was raised a Republican. My parents were realtors, so they had their own business, and we really flourished during the Reagan years. My dad was a Marine who fought in World War II, so definitely coming. My mom was a Democrat when she married my dad. That was like the one time that they voted differently was like the first. Then she turned into Republican. She'd say, I became a Republican once I started paying taxes. That's what her little joke was. And, you know, the the Democrats and the Republican Party has changed so much over the years. So my dad's 
father was from Ireland. Well, his mother is from Ireland. His dad was a second generation Ireland child who was like a, the sheriff of the fire department in New York. And everybody, all the Irish Catholic people were all Democrats. And then when abortion became legal, the Catholics, you can't really say what a Catholic is because there's still a lot of Catholics are Democrats and then there's Catholics who are Republicans. So it's like, it's not like Christians, like the Bible Belt, those Christian people, the majority of them are Republicans, but you can't really say that about Catholics. So it's like, and and I just feel like there's really no party I totally associate with anymore. Are you against abortion? I'm not, I don't think it should be illegal But I, I think it should be really taken seriously, and I don't think it is. Okay. And I don't. I think people make jokes about it, and I think it's flippant, and I think it's like a rite of passage for people, and that's like the one thing I just don't agree with. I think if people are really taught at a young age of like, like with my daughter, like they taught it at the school, and I just said, you know, I have friends who've had abortions. They're not going to hell. I believe God forgives them. They've gone on to have healthy children and beautiful lives. But they really regret it. And so don't ever put yourself in that position. Because why would you just do your smart girl? You don't ever have to be in that position. Mm. You really don't. We have every access to everything, including the morning after pill, which I think is the greatest invention next to the iPhone. Because then if you really do fuck up and you get drunk and you don't take your pill or you forgot three days of the pill or you didn't use a condom, go take it. Just take it. But isn't that technically the same as an abortion? No, not to me. See, I'm saying I'm not, I don't believe that. No, two days is different than 17 weeks. Okay. Absolutely. Mm. It's a big, op- it's an operation. It puts you on your ass for three days. It's, depending on where you go, it can screw you up later. You never know. And so it's like, I just, I would just really like to educate people to prevent them from being that in that situation. Do you have a gun at home? No, I hate guns. That was the one thing. See, my dad was always totally for gun control. My parents never had a problem with gay marriage. They were realtors. They had gay clients. From the time I was like seven, I knew what gay was. Not technically how the sex worked, but like that, you know. I still don't. There's couples, you know, there's couples that choose to be both men or both women. And there's nothing wrong with that. So it's like, no, because my dad was a Marine, he was always just really, he's just like, I will never have a gun in the house because... And I remember I would, he would have all the information he always gave to gun control. So I always knew it's like the first thing that's stolen out of the house. And it was actually the one of the first questions I asked my husband on our first date. I said, how do you feel about guns? He's like, I don't I want one. I go, I never want one in the house. He's like, I don't care for ever having one in the house either. And we're both really on the same page about that. And I think it's terrible. And, and I think you have to be introduced to a gun. You either were raised learning how to shoot it or... You went to the gun range and people that weren't raised with guns that do have mental illness, they still might do something bad. They might beat you up. They may, you know, drive their car through your house, but chances are they're not going to go and buy a gun and pick up a heavy thing that they're not used to using. So my brother does have mental illness and I'm so grateful that he's never been familiar with guns Mm. because that would be freaking scary. Yeah. It really would be. And I think that's that's a huge problem here is that, and it's like, I don't want to take anyone's rights away. I just know I never wanted it in my house where it could be used or even someone, you know, we had a domestic situation with my, I have a crazy sister too. And 
In my house, yes. Technically, is it? Well, she's not. She's locking the streets free. Okay. But if you pulled up her records, yeah, like maybe, I don't know. She got worse in time, as people do, okay. you know? And it's very hard to diagnose someone who's bipolar or histrionic or personality disorder because they start taking their pills and then they feel great and then they stop taking their pills. Oh, I feel so great I can stop taking my pills. It's very hard. Yeah. And so anyway, I don't talk to her anymore. I have a restraining order against her, my second. Oh, wow. And um, she's been physically removed by police from my property three times over the last 15 years of my marriage. So the third time was pretty bad. She tried to attack my husband, and he pushed her off of him. And um, I was like, we were, again, so grateful. Like, we didn't have a gun. Because, like, what if that was what he went to? He would probably be in jail today. Yeah. Even though she had a history and entered our home, it's like, it's just, yeah, I don't know how we're going to fix this awful problem. But I, and even I had a, my son was going to spend the night at his friend's house and I knew they had a gun and I had to have a very uncomfortable conversation with the parents. And they're like, oh no, it's locked, it's locked and the bullets are in a different place and it's, you know, I'm like, well, if someone works in, if you got to go unlock it, get, why do you even have it, you know? So the bullets are in a place. It's locked in a place. It's Mikey doesn't know the code. And I'm like, yeah, but the kids do know the code and they might be looking. And then how cool is a 10 year old boy to show his friend, you want to see a gun? Yeah. So then I have to, I just told my kids, like, if anybody says, I want to show you a gun or see it, just get the hell out of there. Don't yeah. ever say you want to see it because even if it's not low, you don't know what it is. And I mean, that's the most tragic stuff. Have the, when a young kid like shoots his friend by accident, yeah, yeah. so horrible. Have the friend uh, sleep at your house instead, then, or? Yeah, I mean, you know, now the couple isn't together, so the gun isn't there, so he can sleep at the okay. divorced mom's house. Right. But yeah, I had a problem with that. I just didn't. I was like, I have to say it. I have to say it, so I know I did everything I could. That I'm worried about this, you know. I'm so sorry. I don't know this, but uh, yeah. So you have two siblings. Oh, me? I'm the youngest of five. Okay. I'm the youngest of five. I have two older brothers and two older sisters. All right. So one sister, is her name's Shannon. She's my best friend. We do everything together. The husbands love each other. We go on vacation together. Post-college, post-law school, she was a lawyer. We lived together in Brentwood. We're the greatest. Okay. okay. Then the three olders, the oldest brother is the one that's like had all the issues. The other brother's a musician and he's cool. And then the other sister is the one that I don't talk to. Okay. Anymore. But how come sort of you why why? Why? Yeah. Because it's because it's not worth it. It's, no, but I mean you seem very sane. Yes, I am. And sort of every other Well, I definitely think there's probably some type of mental illness in my family. Okay. And so my sister Shannon, who's normal, and me, we're aware of it. And like, we're going to be raising our kids knowing that they're just like an alcohol gene. There's alcoholics and drug addicts in my family. So it's like, you know, that's one of the things I tell my kids as they get close to the age of possibly experimenting. It's like, I'm going to let them know that there's alcoholics and drug addicts. So you might be very susceptible to becoming an addict. So you want to be very careful when going down that road. I knew I was susceptible to it. So it's like, I love alcohol so much. I love drinking. I love mixology drinks. I love really great wine. I love champagne. I love a Bloody Mary at a football game. I love it all. And because I love it so much, 
I've never wanted to get to the point where I have to give it up. So I'm very careful about it. Knock on wood, I've never had a DUI. I'm sure I've gotten drunk. Sure, I've thrown up in my own home when I'm home. Mm. But I try to be really responsible so that I never get to the place where I have to give it up because I do love drinking. Do you smoke weed once in a while? No, I hate pot. I've done it like, well, in college, of course, I tried a bong. And, you know, I'm very technically lame. I'm not a great driver. I'm not great on the computer. I'm not athletic. So to try to, like, do the bong and then you have to hold it and you're breathing wrong. Everyone's, like, yelling at me, telling me I'm doing it wrong. I didn't enjoy that. I never smoked a cigarette, so that always felt very weird to, like, smoke a joint or anything. And then I did a pot brownie. When I was opening for Chelsea, we spent a really fun weekend in this place called P-Town, which is like this beautiful Cape Cod type town. And it's very gay, very gay friendly. And these two gay guys were letting us stay with them. And they made, they were going on a boat, which I love to do. And they were making the pot brownies. And like, I love chocolate. I love eating. So we had like the, the fish tacos on the boat and had a couple of margaritas. And then the brownies came out. And I knew there was pot in them, but I didn't realize like, you know, how long it takes to set it. So I had a lot of it and it was awful. Like 14 hours later, still feeling like I was like on a spin. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Roller coaster ride. So I never want to experience that again. Mm. I don't like it. Can you take one beer? Or Can I drink you... a beer? Yeah, I love beer. Yeah, but do you have to have one more and one oh, more? Oh, no, no. Like last night, I had like one glass of red wine by myself while I watched The Real Housewives of New York. Because I'd been in a water park all day with my son and I felt like I deserved it. Yeah. But I think about it. Like they were selling beers at the water park. And I was like, I was with a pretty fun mom. And I was like, I wonder if she'd be into like getting a beer if we were going to let the kids like go down the slides themselves. But I was like, one beer, why? It's going to be like $12, who cares? You know, we have to drive home, it's three o'clock. It's not like I'm going to get a buzz on. I love day drinking like at my pool. So yeah, I just really, I think it's great. But because I love it so much is why I want to be responsible about it. And now that my kids are getting older, you want to show them that there is a thing called social drinking. Because it seems like right now, either kids drink to get wasted Or they're like, make a vow that they'll never drink. Like, it's either super dork or crazy. And even when I was in high school, I'd get like a light buzz. You know, I'd have like one or two wine coolers at a party and that was fun and make me a little more social. I wasn't getting wasted. And so it's like, it's important to teach like your kids like, no, you can have like one or two drinks, you know, and enjoy it and have it like enhance your life or your 
you know, your meal sometimes and enhance your, like, like, I treat it like that, kind of. You seem sort of conservative in a way, are you? I don't think, I'm not conservative in, like, judging other people's lives or anything. Like, I'm just like, hey, as long as you're, like, a productive person in society, I don't care if you're gay, straight, transgender, what your job is, what your business is, you know. But I think raising kids, yeah, I mean, I'm not into the pot culture, you know. I, I think it's, I think it should be legal. I think that's fine. But now that it's basically legal in L.A., you've been driving around, you see all the pot shops, you know, the green crosses yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah. Mr. Green. Hmm. So my kids know that. So it's like you can't really scare your kids into not doing it. Like, it's illegal. You're going to go to jail. I treat it like it's legal now because basically it is. So I just kind of – I do kind of poo-poo it to them. I kind of go – I go. I told my sons, I'm like, look, your brain as a man, which is the studies have said, is really not fully developed until you're close to 30. Like – maturity everything which is why 17 year old boys get in car accidents and everything because they have the power of the car you know and they like they don't have the judgment up there so i said if you start smoking pot before then it's going to affect your brain growth and your height it can affect your height and your growth so kids starting to smoke pot at 13 i think is really bad mm. i have a niece who started smoking pot 12 13 years old and she can't even leave the house she's totally addicted Beautiful girl, barely finished high school. And then it's like the family's enablers. So they're like, I think she's just doing it at night now. Oh, isn't that great? Good mm -hmm. for her. It's horrible, but she's addicted. You yeah. can get addicted. So it's like, I do kind of, I don't think it's a great thing. I don't think it's, it's just like if someone had a, a vodka and, and orange juice in the morning, you'd think they're an alcoholic. So if someone's smoking pot first thing in the morning, it's fine if that's your thing to wind down at the end of the night. I don't care. I mean, that, here I drink. I'm not going to judge someone who's having a joint. But, like, yeah, when it becomes your whole lifestyle, it's like, no, I, I think it's it's a lazy drug. I mean, at least with Coke, you get up and trade some stocks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, get up and do something. So, like, like you know, and the other day, my son, we were seeing, we were going by, and these people were making a left into the pot store. And it was, like, four people in, like, a low rider in the middle of the afternoon. They were definitely in their 20s. And my son's like, Mom, look at those people. Like, it's in the middle of the afternoon. They're not at jobs or anything, and they're going to the pot shop. I go, exactly. Yeah. So I, I let him think that, you know? He goes, so I shouldn't try pot till I'm 30? I go, yeah, try it when you're 30. When you're 30, you're not going to get addicted, and it's not going to affect your health, really. But I, I also tell him, I'm like, it's a huge difference, because if you buy a Budweiser, you know how much alcohol is in that. Anywhere you go in the world, a Budweiser has the same amount of alcohol in it. But with pot, you never know, especially now. And the candy and the food makes it really hard to decipher. Yeah. I'm you know, gummy sure. bears and all that stuff. It's just like, talk about trying to get the kids into it. Oh, wow. they, they say tobacco's so bad. I'm like, you guys are making fucking gummy bears. Hmm. I didn't know For that. your new customers. You don't know about all the food you can get? No. Oh, you can have pot salad, pot brownies, pot cookies, pot... Everything cookies uh, it used to be around when I did it. You no, know, all the candy, like a like a Jolly Rancher, hmm. like any kind of stuff like that. Fantastic! I have to look into that. I mean, you might really have fun no, if you I'm, like that. No, I'm 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 I've been sober for eleven years, but oh, okay. thank you anyway. <laughs> okay, well, but are you worried about America? Yes. Why? I'm very worried about ISIS. And I don't understand. I, I, first of all, I have no problem with privacy laws. Like, I think we need to say the privacy that we currently enjoyed for the last hundred years is out the fucking window. I don't know why Twitter and stuff is not working with us. Maybe they are. 
when they see any shit go down. Cancel their accounts. Like, why are all these people, these terrorists, be able to, to communicate with each other? I don't care. Check me out. Tell me. Look at my tweets. Look at my who I'm looking up on Google. I don't give a shit. Like, I think we have to realize it's a different life and that our privacy is not our privacy anymore. So long as someone's not stealing your identity and spending money on your credit card, who cares? Mm. I'm not, well, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think we have to, it's a different world. So that's something that you're worried about. Very worried about terrorism in America. Are you worried about more aspects of That's the, the number one, the economy, health insurance. I just read an article in the LA Times that this guy's been in and out of jail for 30 years, and we are going to pay for his transgender surgery. I'm fine with transgender people, but I don't think it's fair that we'll give a man a boob job for free, but we're not going to give a woman. Maybe her authentic self is having a better bust line or a not a hook nose or a not a receding chin. But the only way you're going to be able to get all that surgery is if you're changing genders and we're going to start paying for it. I'm sorry. Do a GoFundMe site. I don't think that's fair. I don't think we should be paying for that. We're broke. We don't have any money to pay paying for people's surgery. We need to be focusing on keeping people cancer-free and healthy. Argue for that. They're probably going to say it's a medical condition now, just like someone who gets on Social Security because their their disability is that they're bipolar and can't work. So those people can be on, get free housing and everything for the rest of their lives. Which I also wish that that wasn't the case because I think people are healthier if they have a job. I know it's a really hard thing to fix. I believe in like welfare and aid. I just wish that it was like, hey, if you want to get your check every month, you need to show that you volunteered at a pet shelter. Like someone getting off their ass from their Section 8 house and doing something good like that or whatever, working somewhere, a place, doing something for a few hours a day or a week and show that they did that to get their check, I think would make us a better society. I don't think it improves people's lives to just be sitting at a stagnant place, not working. You know, I don't think having no place to go every day is a great way to live. The middle class is shrinking, right? Yes. Why is that? It sucks to be middle class. If you're a family of four, and you and your husband may be clear like, 90,000 a year, you are so fucked. You're not poor enough to get any help with your rent or with your health insurance, but you're not rich enough to have any kind of like really no vacations, you know, nothing like that. And it's like, it's like the poor people aren't like the poor people that they were 30 years ago. Like, you know, if you didn't have money, you didn't, there was a lean Christmas and you knew like there were times we were middle class, but there were times my dad worked, wasn't in advertising. He was like, you know, straight out of Mad Men. And he lost the account. They lost the Toyota account, you know? And we would be like, my mom would be like, your dad's out of work, you know? You're only going to get a couple things this year. Mm. But it seems like even poor people, like, have, you know, the labeled shoes and the tennis shoes and no kid goes with... I mean, it's like, it's crazy because they're taken care of. I'm probably sounding really conservative, but I'm getting more and more pissed about this because I just don't think it's fair. I just don't... I don't think they need to make it... They need to clean it up that they they need to encourage people to where almost like like you get rewarded for doing better. It's oh. like you don't get rewarded to doing better. It's like it should be like, oh my God, you know, if you do this well, then you you know, if you can make it to this bracket, you actually we will subsidize your health insurance. Like something so you aspire to do a little bit better, but then you, not all your extra money is going towards taxes or insurance, you know? 
How about Obamacare? Were you happy with that? Well, Obamacare, thank God, hasn't affected me because I am part of the Writers Guild. But yes, it has. Because when I wasn't part of the Writers Guild, I belonged to this Kaiser Permanente. And it was about $700 a month for my family of five. And I was very happy with that insurance. It's like, go to the hospital, everything's there, it's all computerized. My friend just looked into it. It's $2,400 now for five people because of Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, no, I don't think it's making sense. It's It was written by the insurance companies. And um, it's just fucked up. I, I, I don't know. It's just... I think he's, there's a lot of good about like preventive. Like I definitely think there should be more preventive and I think there should be more like urgent type cares around that you can just go and get an antibiotic for a cold and pay a small fee and not have to go to the emergency room. But the emergency room visits are up a lot since Obamacare. And um, again, it's the same type of, it's just, no, it's screwed up. I don't know how to fix it. I I don't have enough knowledge to speak about that, but I just know that. Family five went from seven hundred to twenty four hundred. Yeah, since Obamacare. Yeah, and so that is what is concerning. Of course, I understand that. What do you think about Donald Trump? I think he's not the right choice for president. But there's, you know, in that debate prior to him having his conflict and that whole thing with Megyn Kelly, I definitely think that's how. When someone talks like that, that's what they do think. He does think he's superior to women. He does. You can't say that. Those things come out. And so, no, we don't want him as a president. He's going to piss off a lot of people. That's not what I want. But I kind of like that he's, like, kind of blowing the lid on, like, politics and how shit like that works. Like, I don't think people really got, you know, when he goes, hey, I gave money to Hillary Clinton. And I said, better come to my wedding. And she came. And you give a little bit of money and you've got this person in your pocket for your And I think that was kind of cool that I think people kind of get that now, like how that works. But I also think if you're going to be in politics, you should know how the political game works. Like, how are people, I, people all going, I'm going to change Washington because I'm not a, wa-. well, you don't know how it works either. Like, I'm afraid you're going to get up there and not know, you know, at least Obama, like, didn't come with a lot of experience, but he was very open to help. I don't want someone in there that doesn't want to hear anybody else's opinions or, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of been fun. And I think he's brought some attention to, our issues, but I don't think he should win. Is he a racist? No, I don't think he's a racist in the sense that, like, if two people were going for a job for him and one was black and one or three, one was black and one was Mexican and one was white, I think he would really choose the best person. I don't think he would like, and that's how I think, you know, but I think what he said was not necessarily wrong in that, like, we need to fix this problem. What he said was wrong, and it was not the smart thing to say, but he doesn't give a shit, which some people kind of like, because it's like, now in the world of Twittersphere and everything, you can't say anything. That's why I like doing live stand-up, because I'm like, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Don't tape me. Don't take it out of context. Like, can we just talk, you know? And I still worry a little bit, like, oh my God, is someone going to take a sentence out of this podcast or what? And I'm suddenly not going to be able to have a job. I mean, like this kid, Drake Bell, said one thing about Caitlyn Jenner during the whole thing. He goes, I'm still going to call him Bruce. And he meant, he said later on, I meant Bruce was amazing to me as a hero. You know, I'm like, whatever. People tore this kid apart to the point like, I honestly don't know if he'll recover. And it was one tweet. So it's like, I'm smart in that. There's things I want to tweet, and I'll text my friends, and I'll be like, God, I would die to tweet this, but I won't. Because it's not worth it. 
a hundred retweets is not worth like losing a job over. A hundred people being like, that was fucking hilarious. Good for you. I'm sick of this politically correct shit. You have to be a little bit politically correct to an extent, mm. but it's definitely gone so far to the other side. Now I feel like people are starting to see that and they're starting to be like enough. Like Dale Hughley was on um, The View and they're like, now you're like the only person that, you know, sort of talked disparagingly about Caitlyn Jenner. And he goes, I didn't. I just said, I don't find her attractive. He goes, I'm sorry. Like, she's not my type. Laverne Crocs, yeah, she's hot. I like black women. Like, I didn't, I just said, you know, no. Like, I can't even say that. Like, you can't even say, I don't find her. I think Caitlyn's pretty. I think she kind of looks like me, quite honestly. She kind of stole my look. Hmm. But, you know, and I'm happy for her. And, and I think it's cool that, you know, the world is seeing this. But at the same time, it's like there was only one opinion to have about that in the media. And that was that it's absolutely the greatest, most fabulous thing. And it was like, well, I feel bad for Chris. I feel bad for other people that have to adjust. It's a huge thing. And like, that's, that's not say, taking anything from her. But yeah, I think it'd be really hard to have that happen to you, you mm. know? So I just, you know, but he said, one thing Deal said was like, you know, I can't worry about 100 people on Twitter hating me. You know, comedians were born to originally, they were, it was, you were the joker who made the king laugh. And if you didn't make him laugh, you were killed. He's like, so I'm not going to be worried about a mob on Twitter. You know, I can't. And there's enough people that you can still do well. So there's enough room in the universe for all the opinions. But definitely, I mean, don't you think? Yeah. Like one thing, you say one thing, and it's just blown out of proportion. Well, it is sort of a, we we call it the corridor of opinions. Right, yeah. That you, is that an expression here as well? Yeah. Okay. That mm-hmm. it's really, really narrow now. That, that, yeah. that you have to think in a special way. Otherwise, right. you're going to be... Well, and it's also like what the media gets. Like, I mean, a lot of the Republican candidates are like, stop asking me about about uh, Trump. Because then my entire campaign is just going to be like, well, I thought what he said was... He's like, no, you know, it's taking the... all Trump is almost... Some people, their conspiracy theory is that Trump is like really in bed with the Clintons and... He's doing this to throw everything off. And so you'll go, oh, my God, they're, you know, they're all crazy. Let's just stick with Clinton, you know, yeah. and or run independently and then split it like what happened with Perot or like half the Republicans voted for Perot many years ago. And then there was no f- way for us to win. And that's how Clinton originally won. Bill Clinton mm. It was Perot, independent, this businessman and Bush. And you say and us, then you mean the Republicans. Oh, did I say us? Yeah. Oh, maybe. Well, I'm probably, I'm definitely more Republican than probably Democrat, yeah. which was scary, too, because in 2008, I was like, oh, I'm probably more Republican than Democrat, because I was always thinking more like I'm talking fiscally, businesses, how my kids are going to be able to strive in this world, and uh, definitely military-wise and protecting us against terrorism. But because in 2008, one of the biggest issues was gay marriage and with Prop 8 here in California— And Obama being half black, it was like anyone that wasn't for Obama hated black people and hated gay people. So I'm very happy this time around, gay marriage is off the table. And I think people can agree that I don't think it's going to be a racist thing anymore. We we had a black president. We showed respect for him and his wife and his daughters. And the whole world did. I mean, the, the country did and the world did. And it's not weird anymore. And nobody thinks it's like, You know, I mean, I'm sure some people hated him, of course, but I'm saying like we showed ourselves, the world, that we are not 
or America, that we're not these awful racist people. So let's just pick the best person, whether it's a female or a male or, you know, white or black or Mexican or whatever. Just get the best person in there. But do you think uh, Hillary would do a good job? I mean, I think she's a little shady. I think that whole email thing is very shady. I think she's smart. So I don't know. I mean, I think people that vote for her are like, she's shady, but she's the smartest one. I think you can't deny that there's something that she's shady. I mean, there's was a whole book that like about her that like disappeared. There's been a lot. But again, even shady people might make the best decisions for the country. So it's like, I, I think kind of feel confident that she knows how to do the job. Yeah. Did you see the Amy Winehouse movie yet? No, but I definitely, I want to. I haven't seen it. I heard it's amazing. I heard it's really interesting. And the dad comes off horribly, right? I'm not sure. I haven't seen oh, okay. it either. I was thinking since you did uh, actually make some well, money off of her. Well, when I would impersonate her on the show and the day she died, yeah, I felt kind of weird about it but at the same time not she was a mess she was a drug addict and you do make fun of people and there was a very funny comedian on a show called mad tv that used to do whitney houston all the time and do her profusely sweating now we know why she was profusely sweating at the time we really didn't we didn't mm. know what a mess she was and so it's like no we have a right to do that you put yourself out there you're a star a reality star people are going to be doing parodies of you and making fun of you and that's our job and you're you know so you got to put yourself out there and, and you you got to know people are going to say mean comments on on the internet and just deal with it sometimes i feel like the haters keep us humble you know what i mean it's like 30 years ago you were just some big star living in a cloud you had your publicist your assistant brought all the fan mail if there was a mean letter they destroyed it so you only heard all the great stuff yeah so it's kind of good to like have someone be like I thought that was a lame joke or you're ugly. It's okay. Because there's so many people saying how great you are. <laughs> it's kind of good to have a second opinion. But you know? do, do you have haters? Yes. Okay. Not not as many. I mean, I feel very lucky. I feel like the people that follow me too do like me. It's not right. like I'm Kim Kardashian with literally half the people following her have a hatred for her and write mean things. And I think they've done an amazing job with their life and their fame and their businesses and I mean, Chris Jenner, I always say, you know, what other mother on this earth wouldn't want all of six of her children to be living within five miles of her in multi-million dollar homes with businesses that she gets 10% of? It's fucking genius. Yeah. So that's how I see it. And she was smart. From the minute it started, she was like, well, I don't know when the show will end. So let's, you like fashion, let's start a fashion line. You, you know, and she used the opportunity. A lot of people get reality shows or a little bit of fame and they don't take advantage of the thing at the time. It's like, even with me on my small level, I was really busy writing Chelsea lately, but I knew this would be the only time I could get a book deal. If I waited till it was over or if I just said, oh, now, you know, no, when I had all the time in the world to write the book, no one was going to give it to me. Yeah. So now you have to, you know, and you have to really work hard, but be grateful because you just never know when it's going to end. It's like every time I'm doing a show and someone mics me up, you know, you know, they put your mic on. I'm like, appreciate this guy groping your back because maybe the last time. Ever. Yeah. And that's the way I mean, I'm always like, thank you for everything. Because I don't know. I'm very frugal with our money. We both are. My husband's very cheap. But I'm the now become more that way. Because I never want to be in a place where like, I have to sell my house because I haven't worked in a couple of years. Or it can happen so much in Hollywood. Everyone just thinks like, Oh, I'm making fifty thousand a week on this TV show. Like, like as if that's going to go on for twenty years straight. Mm. 
So of course I can spend ten thousand on a weekend, or you know, no, I'm never like that. You have the stand up comedy, of course, and the podcast. But do you do you audition and stuff as well? I, I'm auditioning for stuff. I have two, like I'm developing a couple things. We'll see if those happen. Auditioning for something that could be really great. Again, I'm not the only one. I'm like at the final level. And, you know, I'm listening to what the deal will be on the phone. And, you know, it's hard because you, when you test for something, they go through the entire deal for like the next five years. Because the people want to know that if you if they choose you, this is what we're paying you. You've agreed to it. They don't want to offer it to you and then go, eh, I don't want it. You know, so you do all this paperwork and everything. You have the lawyers and everybody look at it before. So you're hearing the whole thing. And in year three, you'll get this much. And we made sure that your wardrobe... And it's like hard because you have to tell yourself it's not real. Like you get so excited. And so now that I've been through this a bunch of times, I'm like, they're like, so what do you think? I'm like, it's great deal. Thank you for getting the money up. I want the job. I hope I get it. And if I don't, I don't. Like, what can you do? You know, it's not meant to be. But it's heartbreaking when you get so close to something and then you drive home and you're checking your phone and you're checking your phone and you're checking your phone and then the number of days pass and you realize... You didn't get it, or they actually call and tell you. Yeah, they loved you. They're such big fans. It's just you know, and some things I can't change. This one thing I was going out for, they said, you know, the only thing that could help you is if you were black. Yeah, that's going to be a tricky, and that's going to be hard. Another time it was if you were bigger, fatter, because that's like more relatable than to being skinny. And um, I'm like, well, I'm never going to be fat. Because I'm very small bone and I have a good metabolism. That's my every, everybody's different, you know. It doesn't mean you're anorexic because you're thin, but nothing I can do about that. I'm not going to turn black or fat. So I hope I I could relate to Oprah, and she was bigger and black. I loved her every day, totally related to her. So I think it's almost when you hopefully people. I don't think the audience only relates to people that look like them, or you know. I heard you say somewhere in another interview also that you're not athletic, but you look sort of like you. Do you like? I work out. I have. I just. I literally just started working out like a couple years ago. I have a a friend who's a mom at my school who's a personal trainer. She comes to my house and we work out and gossip. It's great, but I'm not like. My husband and my older son are like climbing this mountain today or yes tomorrow Mount Whitney and. They go on like 27-mile mountain bike rides, and that's like my worst nightmare. And I said to my husband, I go, you know, if you cheated on me or or we got divorced and you had like a new girlfriend or wife, the biggest F you would be is if she was really athletic. Like she could even be like another female stand-up. Like he could leave me for Amy Schumer, like a better, more popular, more successful. And, you know, that would hurt, but not like... Or a really rich woman or a really 25 hottie, like a Playboy bunny. All of that would hurt, obviously. But the worst would be if it was a really athletic chick. And then my kids came home and were like, oh, my God, Kelly's so cool. She went down double black diamonds with us in Mammoth. Because, like, I, they've totally surpassed me in the skiing. And I just don't even bother anymore. Because I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, die like Liam Neeson's wife. I'm not going to. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm not going to break a limb. I'm never going to be any better than I am right now, going down bunny slash intermediate. And it's just not me. So, But I'll like go on a roller coaster ride, the scariest of the rides. I'll jump off a cliff. I'll swim. I'll snorkel. I'll you body surf on a boogie board. I'll go on a bike ride, providing it's not hard. But I'm not going to 
Sorry. I put it on silent. I don't know why it's still doing that. But uh, we're sort of done, I guess. I, okay. Well, I, I just wanted to know also, did you meet people that you've impersonated? Yes. Oh. I've met Jenny Aniston. And apparently when I was doing Jenny Aniston on our show After Lately, which is this really funny mockumentary that we did that you can get like on iTunes and stuff. Chelsea was watching the episode at home and, and supposedly Jen was there. And she was like, Jen, watch this show. And someone else was there and we're like, I don't think Jen even got that you were doing her. It was like kind of funny. And Jen is extremely nice in everything you would think she is in person. But I never like talked. She just was like, you're hilarious. Like, I don't think she, I never did it to her face. So I still don't know if she got that I could do it, you know? And when, when I would do her, I wouldn't do anything mean. I would just do her the way she's talking. And uh, Drew Barrymore, these guys that work for Drew Barrymore said that she has seen it. And she thinks it's funny that they've showed it to her or something. Yeah. And um, but I, I mean, I really adore both of them. I think they're both like really talented and funny and sweet. And uh, Celine Dion, I've never met. I mean, of course, I do. I've done the Kardashians. They're my friends. They're the most. They're great about it. They don't care. They get it. You know. The only person that it was bad was we did this. There was a show on E when several years ago called Living Lohan with Dina Lohan, Lindsay's mother. And it was just like Dina and the kid, the two kids, which was like the 10-year-old boy and the 13-year-old daughter at the time who was Allie. Now she's probably like 19. And I impersonated Allie and Chelsea would do Dina. And I ran into Allie at the Kim's second wedding to Chris Humphreys. And I was kind of buzzed and I just thought she'd be excited to meet me. I don't know. And I walked up to her and I'm like, oh my God, Allie, it's Heather McDonald. We, You know, I used to do you in the Living Lohan sketches and... They were pretty, at the time, I mean, look back, they were pretty bad. I mean, we were really making fun of, like, the mother being an awful mother and her being a brat. And she was like, yeah, I know who you are and what you did was horrible. And you made fun of my brother. And I I said to her, I go, well, I'm really sorry you feel that way. I only impersonate people that I'm, like, intrigued by. I watched the show. I liked the show. And my job is to make fun of things in pop culture. And you're in pop culture. You're supposed to do a reality show. Like, you're going to put yourself out there. Granted, she was very young at the time, but like still, you know, your kids are going to do it. It's like, you got to know like that might happen. And I mean, there may be a time when my kids are doing a reality show with me and I'm going to say, hey, get ready for the hate. But this is part of the deal. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not opposed to it either. You know, I think you, it's like, that's life. So, you know, it can be good for people too. You know, it's not the worst thing that a kid's on a TV show. People always think that it's so awful, like, oh, so I would never have a child actress. I child acting. And so it's like, well, but we can't survive without children actors. We do need children actors. They're in shows, they're in movies. You can't have you can't write this movie without the six-year-old kid. So so then that parent is an awful parent? I don't think so. There's 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 plenty of healthy child actors and reality show kids that have grown up that are doing okay, that did not completely fuck them up, you know? It's the way you deal with it. Yeah, but I can sometimes wonder, because ever since I got a little bit of fame back in Sweden, I've sort of, as it have grown, I have sort of been more more and more careful with, and I, I can't remember when I posted a picture on like Instagram with the face of my son. Right. That must be at least a couple well, of years ago. Well, you know ago. what? I... I first never posted anything with them. And then I was like, you know what? I talk about them so much in my act and anybody can find out where I live in a hot second. So I do now. I I mean, not a lot, 
But I, I mean, I literally in the beginning used to make sure that if I did anything like a funny thing about them, like if they were doing the dance thing or whatever, like it would be the back of their, like if they were playing like a video game, I'd make sure it's their heads and very conscious. And then I was like, it's okay. I don't know. But I, I, I see both sides. Like, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't utilize it for it, but I'm like, people love to hear about the stories and they'll be like, Oh my God, now I'm going to Google your husband because all your stories about your husband, I want to just see what he looks like when I imagine it in my head. And so, yeah, I mean, they, people can find me too. Like they've gone on a red carpet to a kid movie. People can see what they look like. Yeah. But you have to be careful. But I don't think I'm at that any, any kind of level. Like I'm never going to be at the Jennifer Aniston level of like paparazzi and having to hide my birthday parties. And now, you know, I'm never, no one's going to ever care that much. Even if I became more popular. There's just certain people, certain personalities, people can be really big stars, but the interest in their private life is not there. Like, I don't, I mean, are people super interested in Kelly Ripa's private life? Like, she's on TV every day, and she's really popular, and she's really likable, but they know that she's, like, happily married to a cute guy, and the kids are fine, and everyone's like, okay. Hmm. Like, if you see her, you're like, oh, hey, Kelly, you know, like, you're happy, but it's not, like, I I don't think that she can't leave her house without paparazzi, unless Hmm. some scandal happened. But then there's other stars that no matter what they're doing... America's just super intrigued with them, like Brad and Angelina. And, and that kind of sucks for them, but that's life. Would you like to recommend something? I recommend you buy my books. The first book is My Inappropriate Life. The other one is You'll Never Blue Ball in This Town Again, which was about all my dating adventures in LA. They're both very funny. And New York Times bestsellers. My special, Heather McDowell, I don't mean to brag. It's on Showtime. Amazon, iTunes, you can get that. And um, follow me on social media so you can enjoy my pictures of my children. <laughs> yeah, It's at Heather McDonald Instagram and Twitter and Heather McDonald Comedy for Facebook. And it's McDonald without an it's A. It's just like the hamburgers. Yeah. Who do you think I should interview? Have you interviewed Louis C.K.? I have not. He's really interesting and really funny and beloved by every comic on earth. I'd love to. And... Uh, An interesting life and a great attitude about life and rejection and, you know, pursuing your dreams and stuff. So I think you'd be great. I think you'd hit off with him. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Heather MacDonald. Very interesting. We're not uh, super close politically. Let's put it like that. If you want to keep up with Heather, she's Heather MacDonald on Twitter. And you can also listen to her podcast, Juicy Scoop. Varvet is Varvet Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. And this episode was edited by Lovisa Olsson. And technical as well as editorial help came from Thomas Kulshage. My LA crew was 16 Mile Talent. Thanks for listening. Bye bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 